0: Hello, my name is Dan Brown and I'm here today again with another Lenses on Information Architecture interview. And today I get to talk to my good friend, Laura Klein. Laura, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So let's get right into it. I I know um, you've kind of, you've gotten just a, a wide variety of experience around product design, uh, around managing teams. You've written books about lean, which I, I, you know, I'm really sort of curious to maybe bring some of that perspective in, uh, but maybe we start here. And I, and this is a question that I get a lot. So I wonder, I'd like to draw on your experience a bit here is and that is how do you encourage design teams or product teams to, to strike a balance between delivery sort of you know getting stuff churned out uh, at a regular pace to match uh development so delivery with discovery right this kind of need within the design space to do to, to be sort of constantly learning what is what is that in your world what does that ideal balance look like
1: huh. uh, i think they're really different Projects a lot of times, and mm-hmm. I think that sometimes you have to go in and look at each individual project and understand what are you, what is, what are you trying to accomplish with the the thing that you have been asked to do, right? And uh, every so, I, I actually don't have this problem so much with design teams. I have more of this problem uh, with product teams, <laughs> with product managers, getting them to sometimes back off of a project that they're sure is what, you know, we call like an execution project or an implementation project, right? And say, hey, you know, you're asking for this very specific kind of thing, but really what we need to do here is we need to take a step back and we need to look at, is this a bigger problem? Is research telling us that um, we're not solving the right uh, problems for people that we're not, you know, doing the jobs that if you want to do jobs to be done, like we're not doing the jobs that the customer hired us to do, you know, that we don't understand something. So uh, designers, I felt, well, designers often will sort of do what is necessary for the project. But a lot of times we all have to, as a team, come to uh, the, the decision together that ooh, you know, maybe this isn't just a let's go out and execute on, or, or what I call doing the work. Like, oh, that's just, that project is just work. Like, we know that there are some things that we have to do. You know, the, the example I always give there is like, you know, people, we're going to have an account page. So we need people to be able to log in. So we need to do a login flow that works, you know, with security and for our customers and everything. And you know what, that's just work. Like we know what the end goal is. We know what we're trying to do. We just need to design it and get it out and build it and its execution. And then there are these much bigger things that are sort of more, um, like what what is the user even trying to do? Who are the people that we're trying to serve? Um, and then there's just everything in the middle. And uh, you know, it's a it's a negotiation process, honestly. Um, especially on large teams where you're dealing with lots of different folks, uh, it's it's a constant negotiation of, okay, let's split this out. This part's just work. This part's a little bit more big discovery. And uh, let's figure out what we actually need to do. I also really very much like, I, I mean, I want product and ideally engineering to be involved at the discovery stage as well. So we don't get into the problem that I think happens a lot, which is, product is saying, no, 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 we have to go build stuff. We have to go build stuff. We have to go build stuff. And design is saying, whoa, 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 we don't know what the hell we're building. <laughs> so if you, can, if you can get product and engineering involved at that earlier stage, that problem is less of a problem because we're all still working. It's not like anybody's sitting around twiddling their thumbs. Sure. It's not like, you know, but uh, I'm not going to lie. That is extremely challenging.
0: Why, why do you think that is so hard? I mean, we've been doing this for God knows how long. Why is it so hard, do you think, to get a, um, let's just call it kind of um, well-rounded, multidisciplinary, that's the word I'm looking for, discovery team together? What makes that so hard?
1: Organizational bureaucracy. Um, big companies don't tend to incentivize that. Right. If you get if your if your uh, job actually gets judged, if your if your bonus at the end of the year or the end of the quarter or whatever is actually based on what you shipped, which is in fact the case in a lot of organizations, uh, what is the product manager's incentive for getting the thing right if they're being judged on what they ship and not what they're impact on the actual users and, you know, and the business work. So I I think that's it. That's the whole problem is, and it's one of the things uh, you mentioned sort of the lean startup stuff. One of the things that I found when I was consulting for lean startup and trying to get lean startup into different kinds of companies was, boy, it was, I mean, it's called lean startup for a reason. It was much, much, much easier to do on these smaller startup teams that were, you know, kind of more cohesive where, they, we could sort of figure out what the the incentives actually were, and our, our goal really was to figure out what the hell we were building. right, right. We were doing we were doing pro- we were trying to find product market fit. and that is just so different at large companies that already make a lot of money, and it was much, much much more difficult to get it into large companies because they were built to deliver. Right. And they were built to deliver a thing. And they had optimized for that and they had optimized all their incentive structures. They had optimized all of their, you know, their, their rubrics and, and everything and their teams and their structures. And it was all built around delivering. And it's, I mean, it's much harder to steer a, a battleship than it is to steer a rowboat. Right. And, you know, you're at that point, you're talking about, not only do I have to convince this product manager of this thing, but in some cases I need to convince that product manager's manager and their manager and maybe like HR.
0: Right. And several (laughs) silos (laughs) over. Right. Yeah,
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's, it depends on where you are in the organization. I mean, that could be literally impossible or it can just be extremely challenging. Um, I do think that I'm seeing a lot more companies now, which is great move more toward at the higher levels, having OKRs um, that are a little bit more Outcome-based um, that are more, you know, we're we're looking to move this number, we're looking to improve the, you know, user experience, we're looking to reduce the, you know, customer service contacts, and that gives us a little bit more scope to say, okay, well, we need to figure out the best way to do that, right? As opposed to we need to deliver
0: X, right? So let's talk about information architecture for a second. Did you have you ever identified or called yourself an information architect?
1: I have not, but I, I have done, I think, a lot of information architectural work. Um, I've identified as almost everything else. I think the problem was that in the 90s, I was actually an engineer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I went straight from research and then engineer into interaction design. So I came in at the interaction design phase. And then I don't know what the hell we are now.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'm a manager. whatever it is we're doing I, now yeah. that's whatever
1: what. we're doing now that's what i do i mean i don't i'm a manager i do nothing i go to meetings. but um
0: yeah well i've retreated back or maybe i never left uh the title of information architect and um so i'm really interested in how we design uh structures i wonder if you could talk a little bit about the different ways in which you've seen ia kind of playing a role in product organizations i wonder if you could talk a little bit about sort of is do you have a dedicated person does it distributed is it something that the product manager does what where where does i fit in your mind these days
1: i mean do you want do you want the world we live in or do you want the world that i want to live in well, <laughs> because they're real different yeah i want to
0: hear about the actual world okay. the world that i want for myself is whatever laura wants so. sure
1: uh, well i mean i think yeah. that's what we all want um i mean by we all i mean everybody in this room with me right. where i am alone um okay um so i feel like there is very little understanding of what information architecture is anywhere outside of information architects apologies. I don't think this is on you. Um, I think this is just one of those things where we have sort of identified as a design community that, hey, you know, there's kind of, I'm not going to call it a niche skill. It's incredibly important, but like there's a specific skill that isn't, you know full stack it's not visual design it's not ui design it's not like we sometimes it sort of gets defined by what it isn't um sometimes actually in some places now i'm seeing it sort of grouped with content writing or content design or whatever the hell they're calling themselves these days um you know and i I don't don't want to get into that discussion i think they're all wonderful
0: that's Uh, a a different podcast yeah Yeah, it's a totally but
1: but i mean it's and i'm just excited to see it in there at all Um, i think that it I think that what you see is that at certain places that have more um, of a sort of taxonomy of data, you see it handled better, like at a place, so well, or in some cases, much worse. Um, I worked at a company um, many, many years ago that had a catalog of goods um, that was, at the time, it had 3 million different types of items. Um, It has way more now. (laughs) Um, and they had made the decision early on to allow their super users to actually tag and categorize their stuff and to actually make the categories themselves. It went exactly as well as you'd think, which was, it was the worst thing I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was a tr- like a trash fire makes it sound too pretty. Um, it was... disaster. It was so, and nobody could find anything and nobody like, and the thing is that once it gets to that size, it is so hard to change that kind of thing. Um, I'm, I see at other companies that I've worked with, um, this desire at the company to, uh, taxonomize everything. And sometimes things that are a little bit confusing and messy. Um, I worked, uh, not not the company I currently work at, but a different company um, that uh, did a lot of recruiting and um, helping people find jobs, and uh, they tried to make a taxonomy of all the different kinds of projects that management consultants would do. and they were very strict about it, and you know they revisited it every year and they tried to come up with the you know, and it was always wrong <laughs> I mean, but at least it was wrong in a sort of more constrained way. At least it was, I think, directionally correct. Um, and of course, now I'm in a place with just infinite data, right. and a lot of that stuff. I mean, we have data scientists and behavioral scientists and all sorts of things. Like we have a whole we have a whole team of giant brains in jars, um, <laughs> extremely smart people who think about how do we take all of this dirty data and turn it into an understandable taxonomy and readable, you know, job titles. And um, how do we figure out what norm salaries are for different kinds of people at different levels and in different parts of the country and in different parts of the world? And um, at a certain point, it just gets so big that you're really relying on machine learning and, uh, that you know data science to figure out these kinds of things that's moved way beyond the yeah, we can we can impose a taxonomy on this ourselves. So I mean this is and this is of course just one piece of information architecture. Right. This, isn't, this isn't the whole thing. it's just the thing that I struggle with a lot, which is that data sucks and is always dirty and it's just a complete mess right. <laughs> and I don't know that there are great ways to take huge amounts of data and turn it into things that have the kind of nuance that humans would give it. Um, And also be useful and, you know, searchable and and understandable to to people in this kind of scalable way.
0: Do you think there is a... uh, So based on that, I mean, it it sounds like... So my my takeaway from what you're saying is uh, IA problems are getting bigger. And maybe having not just dedicated people but dedicated teams uh, thinking about this stuff is really important. But I think uh, the ideal, not the ideal, the actual world that Laura lives in says that that doesn't exist, right? You've got data scientists thinking about it, but you don't necessarily have people kind of building that bridge to what the user experience would be, which is how I see IA fitting into that.
1: I think. I think, our, I think at bigger, at larger organizations, you do start to see that. And okay. it does start to happen. and it, it's But again, as with anything, I mean, I don't want to call data science new. Data science isn't new, no. new. But I mean, we're all kind of new in the, you know, in the general sense of the thing. People have been buying and selling things for a lot longer than they've been, you know, creating giant taxonomies using machine learning, right? So a new, it, it's as with anything sort of new-ish, it, it's, you know, they're expensive and, you uh, They're kind of figuring out how to get their insights into actual product development. And a lot of times, you know, that's through... You know, just conversations and meetings and discussions, and us realizing, you know, as designers, at some point that, wow, we're really struggling to figure out where does this go? How does this fit? Does this is, do we, you know, is this something that you know we want to make searchable? Do we want, you know, are there similarities in the data here? Are there, you know, is this a strict taxonomy? Is this a tag issue? Like, what? How do? How do we want to manage this data? And realizing that, oh, actually, we have a whole team of people that like, think about nothing else. And we should really involve them.
0: <laughs> so, uh, what I want to do now, if it's okay with you, mm-hmm. is to take a new lens to user experience as a field, which I know is a really broad question. But I'm I um, have uh, of late um, uh, f- been prompted to sort of revisit some of the underlying assumptions of the field of user experience, um, or maybe the the. All the fields within the multidisciplinary field of user experience is there one aspect of ux that you think needs to be examined more closely or maybe to say that differently uh which uh, i know there are many aspects that we could revisit what aspect of ux do you think we could examine more closely
1: i mean i think we should fix hiring And also, I mean, also education that goes into hiring, but that's a totally different thing that I'm not sure I want to tackle at the moment, but I think we need to fix hiring. I think, um, and this isn't new, by the way, this is the thing that I have felt for quite some time, but um, I don't know that it's, it's certainly not a thing that I see uh, in the world as much as I would like. Um, I think we need to acknowledge the fact, or I think we have acknowledged the fact, I think that teams who are hiring need to acknowledge the fact that, Designers, this is going to shock everyone, are different from each other. (laughs) In the same way that many of us have acknowledged the fact, not everybody, this is the weird thing, not everybody even has done this, have acknowledged the fact that like engineers are different from each other and that you might want to hire different kinds of engineers for different kinds of things. The same is true of designers and product managers. And again, this is, this is a. it's funny because this is another, I think, data problem. I don't know what all the correct different facets are, right? Um, I, I, I always, I mean, I think of everything in terms of sliders and equalizers, right? Like, sure. you know, I, I need somebody with a little bit of visual design. I need somebody with a lot of information architecture. I need somebody with, you know, medium amount of service design. But I mean, I think, as much as it is difficult to define, I mean, to define what each of those things are, right? Like we could sit here and argue for an hour and a half about what service design is. That's fine. Um, I don't want to, but we could.
0: Please don't. <laughs> yes. no, okay,
1: fine. Um, understand. Um, but as, as hard as it is to define what IA is or what service design is or what visual design is or whatever, it's harder to define what a designer is. And so at some point, the people hiring need to understand that they are not looking for a designer or even a researcher. They are looking for people with a certain set of skills that might be real different at one company versus another. Right. And, um, I don't, here's the thing it's, I don't, I don't think that a person who doesn't have any design experience or even a person who has a very specific design experience can necessarily do that on that. Right. That's a super hard question to answer especially if you don't know what all the secret code words are that we use, right? If you don't know that service design is a thing, how do you identify the thing in your company that is like, Oh shit, that's a service design problem. (laughs) Okay. We could, we could use one of those. That's neat. Right.
0: So just to make sure I understand the assumption that we have, I think is what you're, what you're saying is that for that, uh, I was going to say all designers are more or less created equal. And I think maybe the the feeling in the in the world is maybe more nuanced than that. But what Laura is asking us to do is be even more nuanced than that, which is to say that uh, that uh we don't have the language to talk about the strengths and capabilities and unique perspectives of different designers. Did I summarize you even remotely correctly.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um the problem is that I'm always asking for more nuance rather than less nuance. And that's right. never, that's never the correct answer, and as far as I'm as far as I've been able to tell. But but it is true, right? I, I think that when we are I, I think that we have a lot of difficulties in design and getting designs out into the world and making well-designed products to a large extent because we're putting the wrong people into positions, and, and this isn't like a senior designer, junior designer thing at all, right? This is a, you have fundamentally hired a visual designer to solve a service design problem, and that's not gonna go well, and also vice versa, right? right. Don't hire an information architect necessarily to do your branding, right. right? Unless they happen to also be good at that, but they're not the same skill. Right. Don't hire a podiatrist to do your heart surgery, right? right? <laughs> It's just, right. it's not that they couldn't in a pinch, it's just not my first choice.
0: Right. <laughs> and that, I, so as you're talking, I mean, it, it also, I, for me, it also calls into question some of the, uh, and again, I think this because I'm um, the, uh, I'm an information architect, the categories that we use to talk about folks, right, even though the term visual designer, I think loses uh, some of the uh, nuance right because we've got okay. folks who've got more of a grounding even today in print design or graphic design versus uh, UI design right and then um, uh, the the thing that I keep looking for when I'm uh, working with new folks is the capacity to think in a systematic way and that capacity is not essential for every design problem but it's uh useful for many of the design problems that I get to work on are there other kinds of categories that you feel like are maybe missing from our vocabulary from our from the way we talk about how we uh evaluate or look at potential members of our team
1: yeah a hundred percent I think that there's there's all sorts of other things I'll, I'll mention a few um some teams really need I mean they actually do need designers with technical skills Right? Like if you're like, I'm, (laughs) I am working with a team right now that is designing things for APIs to be used to build other products that interact with our product. That's a real different skill than... UI layout. Although you might need some of that because you might need to make recommendations about how those APIs might be used, but you might also need to be able to read an API document. Is right. that a normal design skill? No, absolutely not. Is it something that is would be incredibly useful in this particular thing? Yes. Is it something that I have that I have met designers who have? Yeah, absolutely. I can. Um, and a lot of other people that I have, I can't. It's just not like, it's not necessarily something that I would look for if I were doing something else. I'm, I'm, there's a there's another team that I work with that does a tremendous amount of uh, data visualization and the ability to understand what kind of problem a user is trying to solve with data and to be able to present uh, a a graph or a chart that just is understandable. I mean, to me, that's like magic because that is, I mean, if we're talking about design skills, that is not one that I have. Um, So, but there are lots of designers that absolutely do have it and if you try but again like thinking about the individual charter graph doesn't necessarily translate into thinking about how to um, manage the data at a higher level maybe it does maybe it doesn't it's a different it's a different skill and lots of people have multiple skills so again we have to kind of start thinking about what are the actual kinds of things we want people to do and stop thinking about designers as, you know, sort of interchangeable cogs. I think when we start thinking about designers as interchangeable cogs that can go anywhere in an organization, what you end up with is you end up with a lot of, I mean, honestly weak generalists right. um, and not necessarily, I mean, like I'll take a strong generalist, but a weak generalist is kind of, I mean, that may be where we end up with this sort of like we're going to default to the visual design stuff because that's the thing that nobody else in the organization has. Right. But you can lose a lot of the other skills unless you happen to get it by accident that you weren't looking for.
0: Right. Yeah. You said this is not new to you. So I'm wondering, can you remember the moment in your career where this became uh, maybe abundantly clear or where it kind of solidified?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, the point at which I realized that I was a designer and I can't do visual design. And I realized that everybody who else who identified as a designer was just wildly better at visual design than I was. Um, and I remember I was having a conversation with a CEO and I was explaining what I do. And she was like, you're not a designer, you're a product manager. And so I actually went and I had been a product manager before. I've done that. I've done product management. And I, I can say um, quite clearly that I'm also not that. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can product manage. It is not a thing I enjoy doing. I much prefer the actual like design of things. And I think very deeply and at a very detailed level about how things work and how things interact. And, but I mean, I am not a visual designer. I, I have done, you know, voice design stuff that I mean, but again, I'm not a voice designer. Like, so that this question, I, it's, it's been very personal for me because I'm like, but I, I think about things as a designer and I could do basic like UI and layout and kit of parts kind of stuff. But like, you, like a lot of people come to me with these projects where I'm like, no, 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 no. you want a brand designer or you want, like, I, I spend a lot of time talking people out of hiring me. Right, um, or I did when I was doing consulting. And, right, you know, I spent a lot of time explaining to people. No, 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 no. What you're looking for is somebody who's good at this. Right, not me.
0: <laughs> it is. It is a weird, and maybe it's something that people don't realize when they get into freelance or they open their own, you know, design shop. That a lot of the uh, sales work that I end up doing is explaining to people why I am not a good fit. <laughs>
1: yeah that, that always makes them want you more doesn't it it's like, so weird they're like no 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 we think we like no 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 let me
0: explain i promise I, you you yeah, do I not can. want me
1: swear to <laughs> god this is going to go badly for if friends.
0: you think i'm being annoying now wait till you <laughs> have me on your project yeah. um so that was great uh laura and i so i like i said uh, as an ia and as someone who's sort of trying to deconstruct some of the assumptions that i have long held i wonder if you, you might help me Uh, deconstruct some of these preconceptions and I've been trying to think of lots of different preconceptions and when I remembered that you had um, uh, written these books about product design and things like that I the one that popped into my head was um, this idea of designing a product around top tasks Um, uh, you know and that that phrase is associated with certain people in in our industry and I'm not I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus here when I'm just
1: I don't even know, know who says it so um fantastic
0: and we're i say it so um so like this is one recipe that we have for designing a product right it's like okay well let's use a top task approach let's say you know everything in our product is designed around the top tasks that someone would do but i've never actually sat back and said wait is that is that it seems like a good idea it seems reasonable but is it really reasonable so i'm wondering do you feel like there's an opportunity for us to call this let's call it conventional wisdom into question
1: um i think it i think it's a good start that's going to wow that sounds really patronizing and, and i apologize for that cuz that's not how i mean not it. the first person wow, today okay. you're to not the that? first per-
0: yeah to, okay. to patronize me in yeah. Any yeah. Way, so I, don't worry.
1: believe me believe me it's if everybody designed around that i you know it, we'd probably be in a better world um, i think there are some issues with it, uh, one question that I would have would be do those, you know, if it's the 10 top tasks or whatever, do those actually make a cohesive, uh, comprehensive like product? Do those 10 top tasks together fit together in a way that fits the user's mental model? Um, if you sort of start from the user's mental model and kind of go, okay, they're working on this. These are the 10 top tasks. Um, you're You're less likely to run into that. What I will also say, though, is that is there um, what I will ask is, is there a less common top task that, or a less not top task, sorry, a bottom task. Is there a less common task that is a deal breaker that it doesn't happen very often, but it's gotta happen. And if it doesn't happen, or does that make, I mean, maybe that makes it into a top task because it's, it's the top in user needs, or it's the thing that makes the product a whole. Um, you know, you can, I'm going to use a really just terrible analogy here, so forgive me for this, but um, the top tasks on a shopping website might be browsing, searching, clicking on you know product pages, reading things, and a much less common thing that happens is purchasing. <laughs> but it's absolutely required to make it a product. <laughs> So if you're looking at it from a purely how often people do it, um, the other thing that I would caution people to be aware of is that if you focus too much on just the main problems of your main users, um, who are you excluding? Are you excluding, you know, are, are there accessibility things that you should be looking at that aren't top tasks and they're not the majority of your users, but they are still important people that we should be designing for. Um, are there inclusion things? Are you know? Uh, it is much, much, much more common. I know it doesn't feel this way, but it is much more common on Twitter and Facebook for somebody to post a nice thing about themselves or their day than it is for them to viciously attack another human being. Um, we still have to design hopefully to prevent um, that second thing, even though it's not a top task, even though it's right. Like we absolutely have to think about those. I don't wanna call that an an edge case, but we absolutely have to think about those things that we're not just allowing people to do the thing that most people do. We're also thinking about, you know, how could this hurt somebody? How are we excluding people? How are we preventing people from, from doing the thing? Does do these 10 top tasks make a whole product that is worth like what and 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 if so what are we making people use other products to do right are we making them switch over to something else to do the other 30 tasks that they have to do maybe that's fine maybe it isn't i don't know that's i mean i'm going to give you the horrible ux designer it depends, it depends. There. but that's that's how you have to that's how i think how you have to approach it so Yeah. Don't know if that was helpful. Certainly wasn't succinct.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I 100% put you on the spot. So seeing as how I did that, uh, for me, for me, it kind of raised a question of, uh, methodology. Cause, um, when you say top tasks and I think you were alluding to this, it's like top tasks, for who uh and i and you know depending on and this has come up a lot in the conversations that i've had but depending on who you recruit or depending on like who you ask or how you uh can you know conceive of what the product is supposed to be uh you can come up with uh let's call them skewed or biased answers for what those top tasks are yeah
1: yeah. And it, and it very much depends also on if you're in a situation where you can control, you know, cause a lot of times what we'll do is we'll say, oh, it's the top tasks for our top users. Um, if you work in government, you don't get to pick your users. It's your users are, I always laugh and say like, you know, everybody is not your user unless you are in government. <laughs> in which case, even then it's probably not still everybody. It's everybody in a geographic, whatever. Right. Um, you know, you, you know, all the, the caveats there, but, um, again, I think it, so I wrote a book called build better products and giant plug there. um, And the first thing that I do is question what the hell does better mean?
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: I think that we're in the same position here, which is what, what even does top mean? What makes it a top task? Is it the thing they do the most often? Is it the most important? Is it, you know, the thing that they want to do the most? Does it help them reach their goals?
0: Right. Right. And I really like that you pointed out that some a task may be considered important, but it's not necessarily frequent, which is how I've always interpreted top tasks as sort of things that people yeah. need to do most. But maybe those are not the scariest things that they need to do or the things that, that, are, that worry them uh, the, the most.
1: Either. Yeah. Maybe they're not the thing that actually, maybe maybe without the thing that they do once a quarter, it doesn't like help them achieve their goal, right? right. Accounting software that doesn't let you file your taxes Is that useful i mean it's useful to a smaller percentage of people than accounting software that does and if you are in the position where you can say well we only care about the kind of users who want to do accounting but don't want to file taxes great
0: (laughs) uh, that was we will end on taxes all right many things do laura that was great (laughs) thank you so much for joining me i really appreciate it
1: thanks so much for inviting me this was fun